This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Download the Odyssey app and listen to The Drive with Carrington wherever you are. All right, well, let's play a couple of pieces of audio that were circulating earlier today, and let's react to it. Number one, Travis Kelsey was on his podcast, the New Heights podcast, and he was asked about his outburst on the sideline. You guys might remember Travis Kelsey was upset about something. He grabbed his helmet, and he threw it. Now, this is something that happens Pretty frequently, I would say, with Travis Kelsey. Jason brings this up as well, his brother. You guys know that. Here's what Jason and Travis had to say on their podcast earlier today about what happened on the sideline Monday against the uh, Raiders. The frustration was visible on the sideline. Obviously, you had the incident where you tossed your helmet in typical Kelsey fashion. It's a very normal Kelsey thing to do, apparently, uh, when you get pissed off. And Andy uh, commented about it after uh, the game the exchange he had with you, and he said uh, he went back in and did a nice job. Things happen, emotional game, Travis is emotional, and sometimes my red hair gets to me a little bit, uh, but it all works out. He's looking out for me, and I love him for it. I didn't go back out there and play good. He wanted to see the fire in me, and I I reacted in a bad way. He wanted to just get the best out of me. Um, and right now, I'm just not playing my best football, and I got to be more accountable for him, be more accountable for my teammates. I got to keep my cool, man, because um, as a leader on this team, that's not how you uh, switch the momentum. Well, you weren't the only one. Pat was also seen on the sideline trying to fire up the old line. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco uh, broke the training table. How about that? Uh, while being evaluated for a concussion. I know it doesn't look good, and there's better ways. There's always in hindsight, like, hey, shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have, should have kept my composure. But at least you're seeing a bunch of teammates that care about it. You know what I mean? It's not the healthiest way to freaking voice it, but this is what happens when you're in a highly competitive environment with a bunch of guys that want to win. I think it's a couple of different things with Travis Kelsey. Number one, I do think that this is a thing. We can disagree on how much it is a thing, And I understand that they play in a very competitive, hyper-intensity sport. And sometimes tempers are going to flare. I get that. And if you've been in any kind of competitive environment, you know sometimes that's going to happen. It feels like it's been every week. Whether it's been directed at the officials, whether it's been directed at other teammates after an interception, whether it was frustration with yourself, Every week, there is an emotional outburst on the sideline from somebody who you would deem to be a leader on their team. That's a problem. And something that Travis acknowledges and something that needs to be in check. You guys know I'm a big believer that teams feed off the energy and personality of its best player. 
This is the time that everybody needs to be on the same page. It's bad. It's been bad for this team for about two months. It doesn't look very fun to play on the Kansas City Chiefs. They have not played well over the last couple of months or so. This is a really frustrating time. You still have the core of a team together that has done some pretty incredible things over the last four or five years. You have one of the greatest coaches in the history of the National Football League, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League, one of the best playmakers. I'm not just going to say tight end. One of the best playmakers in the history of the National Football League. The core, the heartbeat of your team is still intact. But it slipped up a little bit, whether it's, Personal mistakes from Patrick Mahomes and throwing interceptions, whether it's been poor play calling at times from Andy Reid, whether it's been a drop or a fumble or losing your cool if you were Travis Kelsey. I mean, this team is going to go as far as those three individuals take them. You're not winning because Justin Ross steps up in the next couple of weeks or Richie James. The Chiefs are turning this thing around because you get the absolute most out of your stars. And that includes Chris Jones in this conversation, too. You haven't gotten the most out of your stars, whether it's been age, whether it's been injury, whether it's been supporting cast, whatever it is. Andy Reid is not doing an A-plus job. Patrick Mahomes is not doing an A-plus job. Travis Kelsey is not either. If this team is going to get hot and they're going to figure things out over the next five to six weeks, they're going to figure it out because those three guys play at Hall of Fame elite levels. Or if they continue to not, for whatever reason, this team is not going to be very long for the postseason. So Chiefs Hall of Famer Dante Hall, earlier today, he was on Good Morning Football on NFL Network, and here's what he had to say about the offense. Everything would be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, then it's not to end. What does that mean? Stay positive. Everything we want is still right in front of us, right? Now, we may have to swim through some swamps, walk over some hot coals, but everything we want is still right there in front of us. Um, How do we correct things? How do we salvage things? I think it starts at the top Mm. with Matt Nagy. Mm. I don't really know the guy, so this is all speculation, but what I do know is this. When Eric B. Enemy was there, we didn't have this lack of discipline. We didn't have guys not lining up. We didn't have guys dropping a league leading 25 passes. We had none of this. So is it Nagy? Is it the enemy? I don't know. But I would like to start there. It starts at the top, right? You're the offensive coordinator. You, besides Juju uh, Schuessmith leaving, are the only change in this Super Bowl winning offense. Mm. So it must be you. Get these guys in order. Secondly, Patrick Mahomes, I love you. You're my favorite quarterback. But I think you need to fall in love with the mundane. Yes, for five years we have been used to the big plays of Tyreek, to Kelsey, and all of that. It's time to be check down Tom Brady. <laughs> fall in love with the swing route, the check downs. These plays have been there for the taking, and that's pretty much what we need to get back to, right? Check down. When it's there, take it. Don't look for the big play. I don't know if that is a sustainable offense for the Kansas City Chiefs. I would say that's a lot of what they're doing right now is I just don't know if you're going to win consistently at a high level in the NFL without any pop and dynamic nature from your offense. Like it sounds really good in theory. Hey, to take what the defense is giving you. The Chiefs are doing a lot of stuff at the line of scrimmage as is. That's their passing game. The Chiefs are not really taking a lot of shots downfield. Now, maybe you're saying Pat should take even less than what he's already doing. 
They're one of the worst down-the-field teams in the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes has been worse on passes over 20 yards than Baker Mayfield has been so far this year. Like, this is not an offense that has big play capabilities and is very, very explosive. So I understand what Dante Hall is saying, and I imagine that's a belief that many of you have echoed when it comes to their starting quarterback and their offense. I think it's more than that. You need some kind of pop. You need somebody that can go out and make a play. You need guys that can make people miss. You need guys that can get open and create separation. That's just not what they have. We live in a playmaker era, and I think one problem that we've gotten into with talking about the Kansas City Chiefs is we're applying 2012 football rules to 2023. Look at the teams that you think can really win this thing. Look at their offense. Look at who you think the spark is coming from. If you don't have that spark and you're trying to beat teams 17-13, it's just going to be really, really difficult to do that for three consecutive weeks. Or your margin for arrow is zero. You can't continue to turn the football over. You can't be a team that over the last eight games, they have turned it over three more times and they have taken the football away. That is not a model for you to turn things around for your team offensively. Earlier today, we were joined by Jeff Schwartz. We'll replay the best of that conversation for you coming up in about 20 minutes or so. But coming up on the other side, we'll get back to the top story of the day in sports. Russell Wilson benched as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. That's next. Keep it right here. So drive. Hey, Chiefs fans. It's Patrick Mahomes. Catch me every Monday with CDOT during the season on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. The Drive, brought to you by the Deep Esquale Moore Law Firm. Remember, Mike's got this, 610 Sports Radio. And talking to people in the building this morning after Ian's report came out, it was this. We know what's to come in March. We know the financial side of things we have to figure out. Right now, this is a football decision. That was told to me emphatically by multiple sources inside the building, that right now this is trying to provide a spark on an offense that I was on the sidelines for on Christmas Eve that Sean Payton believes right now is below average in the NFL. He thinks there's a lot of self-inflicted wounds. He thinks there's communication issues. I know that he thinks there's too much maybe in at times in this offense and an offensive mind like Sean Peyton, you know that probably irks him that he thinks maybe there's too much in this offense for those that are operating it but also he believes the ball's on the foot on the ground too much we saw a small spark at the end of the game he believes that was just kind of spontaneous due to the situation that they were in they believe that there has been a clean pocket maybe more frequently than some would believe and Russell Wilson has been leaving it he's only you know Justin Fields is the only quarterback pressured more than Russell Wilson this season all of those issues are within the offense and where it stands in Sean Payton's eyes as he's tried to work this what he likes what he knows and teaching Russell Wilson and working with a quarterback that's very different than the previous one he was with what I go back to guys is how quickly he made a move to go and sign Jarrett Stinham. I remember being here in March and giving him $10 million over two years to be the backup there was almost just a sign of something that you were always keeping an eye on because that was the quarterback move that Sean Payton, as Judy mentioned, was able to make himself. So that was James Palmer of NFL Network explaining the top story of the day in the National Football League that the Broncos have decided to move on from Russell Wilson. We got some information from Jordan Schultz. You probably didn't know this. Dusty about Jordan Schultz, but do you know who his father is? I do not. His father is the CEO of Starbucks. Ah. So I would imagine yeah. that your Seattle plug, pretty strong. Yeah. So you know what you're talking about when it comes to Russell Wilson.
Sources tell Bleacher Report the Broncos threatened to bench Russell Wilson weeks ago if he didn't remove his injury guarantees. Russell Wilson's benching by the Broncos today is solely financial related and has been in the works for weeks per multiple sources with direct access to the situation. The Broncos approached Russell Wilson two days after their upset win over the Kansas City Chiefs in October and told him that he would be made inactive for the rest of the season if he didn't adjust his contract and defer the injury guarantee trigger date that he has for 2025. Russell Wilson's $37 million in guarantees for 2025 that will become guaranteed no matter what on the fifth day of the league year in 2024. At that time, Russell was coming off a game in which he played well against the Kansas City Chiefs and was starting to experience the type of of success that he envisioned after a tough year in Denver. The threat, however, shocked him, and the two sides got into a major dispute on how to proceed. The issue remained. The Broncos stuck with Wilson, and you guys know that the rest is history when it comes to that situation. I don't fault Russell Wilson for hey, I'm finally starting to play well. If you believe this report, and I do believe this report from Jordan Schultz, I think he is too plugged in, and if there is anything that I think he knows, it's something Seattle-related from his time being there and a proximity to Russell Wilson. I'm also a big believer, too, when it comes to these kind of stories. Like, the more details that you get, normally the more true that it is, you know what you're talking about in relation to this scenario. I think the Broncos have been looking for ways to get out of that contract. It's also not like the Broncos played really well, I would say, in that game. Kansas City played really poorly. I think they've been looking for a way to get out of that financial agreement that they have with Russell Wilson from the beginning. Since it got bad last year, I think they've been looking for a reason. If you're Russell, no. Hey, I'm finally starting to play well. I understand that things went poorly my year one, but I've been turning things around. The Broncos had a chance to make the postseason. Now, they weren't going to win the division. They still have a very, very small chance of making the postseason. But when they turned things around in the middle part of the year, you were looking at a team that was 500 and had reason to believe that they are still in it. This is not the time to talk to me about my contract and trying to get me to take less guaranteed money that we both agreed to. So I understand Russell Wilson here saying, no, I'm not doing that. If you guys want to bench me, then bench me. But I am not now lowering my guaranteed money of something that we agreed to in our contract. No, honor the deal. So I understand the situation that he took. I also understand the Denver Broncos. That's the business of it. Hey, we can't afford to let you play. Something happens and it locks us in with you. For 2024, that's not what we want to do. The fact that you don't want to lock yourself into your starting quarterback at the end of the season when you still have a chance. It is not a big chance to make the postseason, but you are not all the way eliminated. If Kansas City loses their next two games and the Broncos win their next two games, the Broncos make the postseason. The Chiefs have not played well enough where winning on Sunday is a guarantee against the Cincinnati Bengals. If they lose and the Broncos win, then, hey, you're in with a little bit of help next Sunday. Most teams go for it in that scenario. The fact that the Broncos are now trying to spin this with Jared Stidham like he gives them the best chance to win, nonsense. You have made a decision as an organization that this is not a quarterback that we're going to move forward with. I think you have had these conversations in private. You have tried to get him to change his quarterback contract, 
and he has decided not to do it. So you had to make a tough decision as an organization to punt on the rest of the season, but you have to try to give yourself some hope for next year and moving at a different uh, direction at the position. Yeah, this is totally a business decision, right? The $37 million, it kind of shows like what your franchise. I remember, I think it was a few years back when Jamal Charles had incentives in his contract. Same team, same sort of situation. Benched the last game because I think if he had more than so many, like 55 yards, they owed him a million dollars. Like, this isn't like uncharted territory. The thing that kind of is interesting to me, Carrington, is that they said after the Chiefs win, we're done. Like, which lets you know right there at least in my opinion, that they weren't serious about winning this year. Nothing mattered really to them because they thought, well, maybe we can win without you. If that's the case, so be it. But not only that, he, re- he gives in his reports, the, the Schultz guy does, he gives reports, they go on to beat Buffalo and Minnesota and Kansas City before that all in a row. And it's like, if he's doing this and you're more important about winning, then obviously the money shouldn't matter. Owned by Walmart, let's save some money. And sorry, we're going to go a different way because we don't want to pay you the injury guarantee. This is where I'll give the Broncos a lot of credit. I'll give them a lot of credit for this decision. I believe that teams overvalue making the playoffs. Just simply making the playoffs. Not having a chance. Not being a legitimate threat. Not people looking at you with dangerous we're looking at the Rams. You and I both are looking at the Rams like a team that, hey, they can make a little bit of noise here. That's not a team that you would want to play. The Rams are probably not winning the Super Bowl, but there's enough of a track record there that you can talk yourself into a team. Buffalo, they might end up being a wild card team, but Buffalo was playing out a way that makes you think, hey, they can do something in January if everything lines up. What were the Broncos going to need to do for you to take themselves seriously? So I actually do give the Broncos a lot of credit for this. The Broncos were not moved by a winning streak. We see a lot of teams make decisions by, hey, we won a couple of games. How can we? No, we got to think long-term. We got to think big picture. The Giants would be in a better situation if they had thought this way. You then franchise tag Saquon Barkley. You paid Daniel Jones. No, all of us knew that that was fake. All of us knew that that was propped up last year. You can't look at things that way. So I give the Broncos a lot of credit for evaluating their team in the big picture and looking at the whole total landscape of everything and not just overvaluing one good month that they had with Russell Wilson at quarterback and then disregarding the other months that they had with him at the helm. No, that's fair. I just It just kind of shows you where they thought that he was at with their system and in their franchise because we can both agree no longer going to be in Denver. Like, it's over, and we had our draft earlier. You think he could still be a starting quarterback? Like, if other teams – like, that's where I also find it hard to believe that he's a starting quarterback somewhere else because if you can't make it in Denver, where else are you going to make it? Like, you're getting benched for Jared Stedham with Sean Payton and a Denver team that was – Winning with you now, I know they've been like they said in the report from James Palmer. The last three or last three games have been kind of low bar offense, but it kind of lets you know. You brought up a good point earlier. Sean Payton and ownership was like, "Hey, we're not going to be great with this guy. I can't really get to where you want to be with this franchise with this guy at quarterback. We've given him long enough." I think it all went back to the first preseason game of the year. If you remember against Arizona, he was playing all the way to the two minute warning. When's the last time a starting quarterback's played at the two-minute warning in a preseason year, yeah. game? Yeah. You know, So, I mean, I think the writing was always on the wall. And even before that, there were comments from Sean Payton. This has just kind of been one of those things where I don't think it was ever about Payton and Wilson. It was more so like, 
help me, Obi-Wan, Sean Payton, you're our only hope to turn this franchise around because once you get here and once we see what you can do, we'll then give you full control, and October 29th was that moment. This is where I'll defend Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has a better completion percentage than Baker Mayfield does this season. Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield have thrown the same amount of touchdowns and the same amount of interceptions this year. I think Baker has proven that he is a low-end starter in the National Football League. The major difference between the two is Baker Mayfield is on a one-year, $4 million heavy incentive-laden contract, and Russell Wilson is getting paid like he's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And I think the Broncos are tired of, hey, if we're going to get average quarterback play, let's not lock ourselves into that financially for the next three years. Let's cut our losses. We made the wrong decision in what we did. We traded way too much, and we have spent way too much money. Instead of using next season as another year, hey, let's go find ourselves a rookie quarterback, and we got to wear this one. Let's lose for this next year financially at the quarterback position, but we've got a rookie in place that we really love. We get our draft picks back. You got to remember now, they get their draft picks back on Russell Wilson. So you now got your first-round pick. Let's go get our quarterback. Let's take whatever pick we get this year. Maybe we get the 11th pick. We lose these next two games. We trade a future pick. We're willing to move up to the seventh overall spot. We're willing to get our quarterback. And sure, financially, we are in a worse spot for 2024. But we get all that money off the books in 2025 and beyond, and we got a chance to really build something long-term. I give the Broncos credit here. Now, they got to execute it. The Broncos have not done a good job of drafting and developing their quarterback in 25 years. Now, you didn't need to do it with John Elway, but after John Elway, you have not drafted and developed your quarterback in 35 years or so. Can you go do it now? Can you go identify who your quarterback is? You build around that guy. You give yourself a chance in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, has Justin Herbert, and we'll also see what the Raiders do this offseason because the Raiders are a team that you know is also going to go out there and get themselves a new quarterback. Aiden O'Connell is not starting week one for the Las Vegas Raiders next year. Coming up on the other side, earlier today, we had Jeff Schwartz on the show to talk about the Chiefs offense. We'll play the best of that conversation for you coming up. Keep it right here. It's the drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Catch Nate Taylor in studio every Friday starting at 4 o'clock. And if you miss any of the conversation, listen on demand with the Odyssey app and 610sports.com. Your home for Chiefs football in Kansas City is 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back into The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com and the Odyssey app. My name is Carrington Harris. I'm very happy to be here. Dusty filling in for Rob. Rob will be back tomorrow. Earlier today, we got the opportunity to be joined by Jeff Schwartz, former offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, to join us to talk about the offense. He did a deep dive of the film with the offense. Our conversation started with, what did you see from this offense on Monday against the Raiders? It's not good. <laughs> I'll tell you that, um... Oh man, look, I I uh, I've said this for a while now, um, you know, about Kansas City, but it's a broader topic about sort of bad. I want to ask, like, what is a bad offense? And look, obviously there are times when your quarterback isn't very good and your offense is, you know, just isn't good. But there are some years when your quarterback is good and the offense doesn't work. And it's like, why why is that, right? And this reminds me of the 2018 Patriots. I had the same comment, same thought about them with Tom Brady, is that. You know, it's not just one thing, right? If it was one thing, oh, the right tackle isn't very good. Okay, let's help the right tackle. Oh, we don't have a number two wide receiver. 
Like last season, okay, let's use Jared McKinnon you know, more in the pass game out of the backfield. The problem this year is that a different player screws up on different plays, right? So, like, the example I gave, and this is the way you, you watch the film, right? Like, there will be a time when the, uh, an offensive tackle loses early and Mahomes pulls his eyes down to avoid the pressure and the guy that was open no longer open, right? And then these guys don't understand the scramble drills, another whole topic. You know, okay, next play, the protection's great, no one's open. Okay, next play, protection's great, and Mahomes just misses someone. That, that's happened more often than it's ever happened in his career this season. Uh, the next play, someone gets beat, and Mahomes just is a little bit off with this throw. And then they – or another time they can't line up correctly, they got, and they got to call timeout. I mean, it's just, it's just nonstop issues – like that where you can't just say okay it's one thing let's fix this one thing and we're going to be fine and that i think is the biggest problem it's not just like okay let's let's catch the ball better today well okay yeah great and so that i think is the issue and then on top of that it's that the wide receivers and i'm not going to point this out just have no awareness like zero um they don't really understand where in the zone to sort of stop. Look, the thing that makes Mahomes great, but also I think needs to be worked on a little bit, is you know the idea that sort of the structure of the play is one thing, and then what can I do to make it better? And the part about I do to make better, the wide receivers have to be on the same page as you. And Travis Kelsey has always done that, right? And last year, Juju, I think, was on the same page. I think Rishi Rice is getting there, but he's a rookie. He's not seen every defense. He's not seen everyone for years and years and years like, like Juju had at that point. So all these things are happening all at once. That's why there's not an easy fix, and that's why the Chiefs can't figure out you know, how to play better on offense. Right now we're talking to Jeff Schwartz here, former NFL offensive lineman, went through the film yesterday. Just wanted to get his thoughts on what he's seeing with the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Jeff, I kind of feel like we are in this cycle with the Chiefs that you mentioned trust and Mahomes needs to trust the wide receivers more, but then they're not doing enough to be trusted. I just don't know how the Chiefs get out of that scenario this season given the parts that they have on offense. They don't. They don't. Hey, look, I – I, I'm a Chiefs fan, man. I hope we win a Super Bowl. They're probably not. Again, go back to 2018 Patriots. Um, you know, Tom Brady was still good, obviously. It was 2018 when uh, the, I think the Titans went there and beat them, right? Um, and then you like a trick play to even score a touchdown. I mean, it's, it's, they're just not – they're not going to do it this year. Look, certainly can they just figure it out for four games? Sure, it's Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Like I, the, yeah, that, that's a that's a possibility. Um, can they win a game in round one in the wild card round where they just their defense just plays out of their minds and they win a game seventeen fourteen? Absolutely. Um, but the the problems become the offense has to stay on schedule, right? If they have a penalty, a negative play, um, they just aren't as good. They can't make up the difference, right? Look, that trick play that end up being a fumble was just an awful decision to, to call that play. But, in, you know, this in years past, ah, uh, whatever, man. Well, uh, uh, we, we gave him seven points. We'll be fine. We'll make it work. Very next play, pick six. You know, like, it's just it's, – it's, they don't have that ability this year to make up the difference when, when things don't go well. And so, yeah, there's a, there's a way they can win, but everything has to be perfect. And that's really hard to do in the NFL, especially when you have, you know, in the playoffs, you're going to play, you're probably going to host Buffalo. Buffalo's pretty good. Um, they could be had, they could be had, but they gotta, and then you got to beat, 
you know, the Dolphins, who they beat before. But remember, that game they only scored 14 points on offense. They needed a touchdown on defense to win that game. They got to play Baltimore. So it's just it's, it's hard. It feels difficult this year to, to make the changes needed, which is really just play better, um, you know, down the stretch. I think a lot of people on the text line, and I have this question as well, MVS played 61 snaps. How, as an offense, can you have a player on the field that plays that much that your quarterback just simply doesn't trust? Like, this offense has given MVS a lot of opportunities, and for the most part, he has dropped those opportunities or hasn't made a play. Like, I kind of look at this offense. At some point, somebody has to be sacrificed, and we saw that in Chiefs offenses in the past. That happened with Le'Veon Bell. That happened with LaShawn McCoy. Eventually, somebody just got benched. Somebody had to sit down I'm looking at MVS and I, I just don't know if you can keep making him active every week well but who are you gonna play who are you gonna play Justin Ross okay I mean he's been on the roster for like one week you, you trust him in a playoff game I mean I don't know if I trust look, MVS gets open Pat and throw him the ball I understand why not um but you know there are times he is open uh, he drops too many passes. Like, what are you going to – everyone keeps saying this. Like, what are you – you already basically benched Sky Moore, right? And I think he's on injured reserve now anyway, so he can't even play. Kadarius Tony is hurt. Who knows? He's very unreliable. Who, Justin Watson? Okay, I mean, I guess he's the next guy up. It, I mean, Ross – I'd love for Ross to be the guy, but he hasn't played a lot of football. Uh, it's unrealistic to expect Ross to come in, and then you end up having Ray Rice and basically a rookie – um, be your two wide receivers heading the playoffs. I think that's the problem right now is that there's nobody else who, if you bet, seriously, if you bet, if you bench MVS, your, your core group of heading the playoffs is wide receiver wise, Justin Watson, Ray, she rice. I hope Kadarius Tony is healthy. James and McCole Hardman, right? Am I wrong? Those are the five guys I think they would have to play. That's it. I, 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 I yeah, that's the problem. It's bad. <laughs> they don't have anyone else. So like, they have. He has to play. He. There's no other choice. He at least lines up correctly. I mean, there are times that guys can't even line up correctly. So, that's the problem. Everyone keeps saying, "Well, this." It, he, he, there's no one else to play. Right now, we're talking to Jeff Schwartz here for a couple more minutes going through the Chiefs offense. You played on the offensive line. There certainly were some questions about the Chiefs offensive line in the game against the Raiders. What did you see for them on film? Yeah, they weren't very good in the first half, I thought. Um, the Raiders also did a really good job of having a safety around the line of scrimmage when they ran the ball. I mean, it looked like they knew what was coming a lot of the time. So the Chiefs are, we know they're very multiple in offense. There's not many tells. Like, it's hard to you know, know when they're going to run the ball or pass the ball. I mean, they, they don't give away a lot of stuff, but the Raiders just had a really good game plan, I thought. So a lot of times there were just were extra guys hanging around the box. First play of the game is a great example. They just didn't re-ID up front, and a safety dropped down late and made the play. Everyone was blocked. It was really well blocked. Um, but you have a you know, free rusher, and sometimes the back has to make a miss. Um, the pass protection, I thought, was better in the second half than first half. But here's what happens. Um, if you – if you have a quarterback that goes into a game that doesn't trust his offensive line, I think there's certainly a, a case to be made that at times Mahomes doesn't trust his, his tackles. Um, and he gets hit early in the game, immediately goes into like a shell, right? Like that, it goes into panic mode, goes into, okay, ball's got to be out or else. And it's really hard in a game to get that back if you're the quarterback. Again, I thought they played much better in the second half. Pat Mahomes had time to throw the ball more often than not after the first couple of drives. But he already got into his head, and rightfully so, that i got to get the ball quickly because I'm going to get beat. Uh, not I'm going to get beat, I'm going to get hit. 
Uh, look, Taylor, I thought would be better overall. Um, again, he wasn't terrible. And you're playing Morris. I think Morris is going to be good. I, I think that he will be a good football player. Um, I thought last week was his worst game. I thought he had played better against uh, the two other opponents he played previously. Um, he will be fine, but I don't think you were counting on a third-round um, left tackle who played right tackle, I believe, in college to be the guy that you, you're relying on You know, as the season is getting getting closer to the end. So uh, those are some concerns. I think inside they're fine. I mean, Trey gets beat every now and then. Creed and Tooney never get beat. So um, they'll be fine up front. But you have to start the Bengals game. They have to start fast. They have to let Patrick feel that they have it under control so he doesn't start the game in a place of worry he's going to get hit every play. I think a big topic of conversation here in Kansas City has been the switch from Eric Bieniemy to Matt Nagy, and not necessarily when it comes to the play calling. I think that's still Andy Reid, but a lot of people are pointing out a lack of accountability, that Bieniemy is going to be somebody that holds you to a certain standard, and that is missing on the team. You played with under Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. What, what do you think about this, I think, topic that is centering around Kansas City's offense? It's hard to ignore, right? I mean, it, you know, it is. It's hard to ignore. Like, the the team is way more disciplined on offense. Um, yeah, I don't think it's – look, everyone's like, play calls. I'm like, this is the same play. If you watch Andy Reid, it's just they call the same freaking plays all the time that he calls every week. Like, it's not any different. The same trick plays, the same, you know, just, you know, inability to call run plays every now and then. Again, he's still a fantastic coach. But this is all his offense. And so – I think that you have to look and say, man, maybe they're missing some accountability. Look, Eric Bieniemy, we, we, we know this, man, not afraid, right? Not afraid to call you out, not afraid to hold you to a standard. That was what got out of Washington's training camp this year, right? He was a little too hard on the players. Maybe they need that again. Andy Reid's not a coach. You guys know this. He's not a coach that's going to come into a meeting and just cuss someone out. It's not his style. He doesn't even cuss anyways. But it's not his style. It's not how he coaches. Yeah, he, he'll yell at you. That happens every now and then. The coach does that. And maybe Eric Benny was that guy who, and again, when I was there, he was the running back coach. He wasn't in the same position that he was, obviously, the last five years. But maybe they missed that. Um, and, you know, I'm curious if uh, if someone will be the person to, to do that. Nothing like Matt Nagy is going to be that guy. Um, but they, they certainly need that. A lot of finger-pointing at times. Um, the not lining up stuff is infuriating. So maybe the enemy is missed in that way. I don't think he's missed in, again, I mean, Andy Reid's offense. I don't think he's missed in, in that capacity. But I think he's definitely missed as a voice of someone who will be hard on the guys. Last question here, Jeff, and I appreciate your time. If you had to offer up a suggestion to Patrick Mahomes, let's say Pat calls you and says, hey, you're somebody whose opinion I respect. I'm trying to get the most out of this offense for the next couple of weeks to try to help us play with some momentum heading into the postseason. What would you suggest? What can this offense do over the next two, three weeks as the difficulty is going to increase? You got to go through a defense like Cleveland. You got to potentially beat Baltimore. You got to beat Miami again. What suggestion do you have for this offense to try to get some kind of rhythm heading into the postseason? That's a good question. Um, I think I would just tell him to take what's there. I saw Dante Hall today, I think, on Good Morning Football, right? said, like, just, just check down all the time. No, don't check down all the time. But just, just – and this is something that's not been a problem of his for the last couple of years. He's been so much better at just taking what, what's there. But I think that's what it is. I mean, I know it's hard to say, hey, man, just, like, trust MVS. Just go to him. But I don't know how you, how you convince him to do that. You know what I mean? Um, so – 
I think it's just that, man. Like, if it's there, take it. Um, you know, I, I, I think running the football might be more important, but, I, I again, I don't want him to run the ball because I don't want him to expose himself to hits, you know, and expose himself to being, you know, being exhausted like I think he was at the end of that game. That's the advice. You just take what's there. It doesn't have to be a check down, but the five-yard play, the four-yard play, if guy's open, throw it. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, if he doesn't catch the ball, so be it. That's not your problem. Um, I, I think that's the advice I'd give him. That is Jeff Schwartz joining us on the show today. He played in the NFL from 2008 to 2015. He was drafted out of Oregon and friend of the show. Jeff, man, I'm happy for all your success, man. Good talking to you as always, my friend. Thank you, buddy. Take care. That's Jeff Schwartz joining us on the show earlier today. If you want to check out the whole interview, you can do so on the podcast page, sixcentsports.com, and also the Odyssey app. Pete Sweeney is going to join us back in studio coming up at the top of the hour. We'll get back into the Kansas City Chiefs as they get ready for Sunday's matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, that was a game that earlier in the year, if I would have told you, hey, I'll give you free tickets to any game that the Chiefs have at home this year, and they had a great home slate. They played the Lions in the first game of the season. They played the Eagles earlier this year. They played Buffalo earlier this year. A lot of you would have taken the tickets against the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a game that you felt could maybe be the most important game of the NFL regular season. It certainly has not turned out to be that way on both sides, on Kansas City and on Cincinnati, given how things have played themselves out. Before we get back to the Kansas City Chiefs here coming up in a bit, Dusty Likens, I want to tell you a story. Not necessarily a story, but I want to read you a stat. Did you know that the average person who decides to go out on New Year's Eve spends at least $75 a ticket to go out and have themselves a time. Do you think that it's worth it? Because I'm not going to see you between now and New Year. You're not going to be here tomorrow. I'm not going to be here on Friday. This is the last time that I will see you in 2023. Are you a go out and do something individual? Are you a stay in the house guy? What kind of guy is Dusty Likens when it comes to New Year's Eve? From the age of 21 to 25, I was definitely the guy that got uh, run amok with the $75 ticket where you went to the whatever place it was that was having the party that would tell you you get top shelf alcohol, you get a Coke check-in, all that sort of thing. Oh, those are, that all that place yeah. that place can be hit or miss. You can spend the hundred, hundred twenty five dollars yeah. and go to that place and you have a time. They've got great hors d'oeuvres, they right. got open bar. It is a great time where you can go and there aren't nearly as many people there as you think it's going to be. And what a dud. Yeah. And then you realize that their top shelf is Canadian Club and <laughs> you kind of got, you know, hooked on that. And then this is kind of like right when, so like when I'm like 25, I'm 36 now. So like when I was 25, I was kind of like not in the Uber stage yet. So you were still hauling taxis trying to get back to like, we all lived in Blue Springs and Lee Summit. Nowadays though, to answer the question a long roundabout way, house guy. Uh, I've got a lot of good friends that live in Lee Summit around me that have a nice house that have already sent out the invitation. Hey, we're doing Chiefs game starts at 325, come over, bring a side dish, the whole cliche thing for New Year's Eve. But now that there's Uber and I can stay close and all my friends are a little bit older and we don't maybe get after it as much, uh, we're definitely doing the house thing, watching the Chiefs game, and then you just kind of let the night dictate uh, where your mood goes because if there's one thing we know, uh, this Chiefs game to me is unpredictable just because of what we've seen the last couple of weeks, so I have no expectations. I'm just going to have a good time hopefully see a team win a game and look a little bit better than they did against the Vegas Raiders, which I don't think can be literally that hard. 
but a house party for sure. You know, take the cooler. You don't have to go get a beer. You don't have to go get a drink. You don't have to worry. Now, the only thing is, most people are married. So the there's not a lot of mingling going on. We're all adults at this type of thing. No, not a lot of mingling. I would say with the way that the Chiefs have played this year, there's no. a chance that the Chiefs ruin your night. No, there's I got a, to. You and I both know there is a chance that they no lay a complete egg. They got booed on Christmas, my Oh, brother. I was there. They yeah. got booed. I, I, I heard the boos. Booed on Christmas. With Taylor Swift there. So you're telling me there's no chance they can't ruin your New Year's Eve. Then, I, let's say that you haven't made plans yet. Because yeah. some people, hey, right. you know what? It's Going 7 o'clock. I feel good. Let's go out and let's do something. Now, most people have already, you know, made a plan. They've already decided where they're going to go. They've already got their tickets. You're trying to figure out where mm-hmm. you're going to go. We know that ain't everybody. Yeah, I the mean. Chiefs I, could ruin your night. Is it arrogant to say that this sort of profession can deaden you inside on what sport teams do to dictate, like, Playoff-wise, if they lost an AFC championship game, then it's a little, you know, disheartening because, you know, football is basically over for sports talk radio. You talk about the bad, the draft, all that kind of thing. So that kind of depletes my feeling. But a Week 17 game against a team that you should beat, but if you lose, it's not going to ruin my night. We'll just laugh about it. We'll make jokes. We'll have fun, and we'll be like, you know what? It won't be funny. I'm just going to go and tell you right now. If you lose to Jake Browning without Jamar Chase, that's pretty hilarious. (laughs) <laughs> are we sure they're winning the division if they lose on Sunday? It's still up in the air. What I'm saying, are, are we certain that they're winning the division? If they because lose, because I, I understand no. everybody. Oh, you play the Chargers at the end of the season. Did you see what the Chargers just almost did to the Buffalo Bills? Okay, I'm just saying is given how they've played yeah. and given the fact that this team can't protect the football, if they don't take care of business at home on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. I have no clue what can happen with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I would say that this thing, they will have finished with a losing record in home games this year. Like something has completely unraveled. Like listening to the broadcast, I know you were at the game. Yeah, yeah. Like Tony Romo kept saying, hey, you know, Patrick's going to play in his first road playoff game. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know what the Chiefs have done to guarantee that they're going to go on the road in the postseason. you got to take care of business this week at home against the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that – they need this game as much as you need it. Right. And I think you have to also look at the other side of the argument, which is maybe half full. I mean, the quarterbacks you're you're going up against are Jake Browning and Easton Stick, and the only guy that can really ruin your, your whole entire season is Jared Stedham out of Denver, who they just saw or they just announced to start today. So I look at the glass half full in that scenario where I'm like, if they don't win the division then it's like, okay, then they just need to back the Brinks truck up to every single wide receiver next year and really reevaluate everything because you still have Patrick Mahomes. You still have Andy Reid. I get it. That's the the lazy take. But I trust those two over the coaches and the quarterbacks that have to do absolute amazing things to kind of surpass that. Plus, I still trust this defense to keep them in games, and I just, I'm going to assume, and I know what happens when you assume, I'm going to assume that that game against Vegas was the absolute rock bottom pit of the entire season. Coming up on the other side, we'll be joined in studio by Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride to go through the hits and the top story of the day in Kansas City. Keep it locked in right here. It's The Drive on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. I'm here to tell you, I was ready to risk it all for Dolly Parton. Brought to you by Deepest Quali Moore. Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.